Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Coming up, our pre-combine look at the outside linebackers. That's what I see in Isaiah Simmons. This is not a kid that I want to put at one position. We run through the top 10. The Green Bay version of Clay Matthews, not the one that we're seeing out at the Rams. Include some good landing spots. I, I pray to dear God that Thomas Demetrov is listening to this. As always, some sleepers to watch for. This was my top-rated middle linebacker going into the season. And we touch on some other headlines making news. How would Tom Brady look with my favorite team? Stop the madness, folks. This is the Scouts Honor Podcast with inside information. I think the wild card right now is the number four choice. And unique perspective. Logic says right now, trade for Dalton, draft Jordan Love. From Super Scout Dave T. Thomas and your host, Paul Crane. Hello again, everyone. I'm Paul Crane, back with the Director of Operations of Scouting Services, Inc., previously, and the publisher of the NFL Draft Report, previously, Going old school, Dave T. Thomas and Dave T. Moving forward, you're bringing back. Tell us a little about this before we get into our line, outside linebackers and the other things we're going to talk about today. The Poor Man's Guide to the NFL Draft. Well, I apologize to the teams out there doing the Where's, where's Waldo on me with my son. I apologize to friends, associates, and family, but I've shunned my computer. I've shunned my phone, so... There is no way of communicating with me because my head is in one place and one place only. After all of those months up in the hospital, I decided I want to become Joe Yucci. I want to be a fan again. So this year, which probably will be my final year, I'm going back and resurrecting the publication that started me out in this business in the early 70s. I'm bringing back the poor man's guide to the NFL draft. All you draftniks up in New York that used to sit outside Madison Square Garden on a Marriott Marquis days in advance to get in. You remember those big monster books I used to hand you out? Well, I'm going back to that style. I'm no longer sitting out there kissing babies and shaking hands. The madman from Brooklyn is back, and I'm bringing the poor man with me. Awesome, and we will keep people posted on how they can get more on that as we move on here on Scouts Honor. And again, today, we're going to be talking... Well, we do want to tell them that we are going to be uh, beginning this weekend. We're going to start featuring not only our podcast, but written contents up at a site called sportsblog.com. We're going back to our old style. I used to write for them years ago. We're going back, and I'm bringing everything old school to the table. So old school that right now, sitting outside in the Tampa Bay Ball Players parking lot, is my 1937 cord Bumblebee coffin car. <laughs> well, if God's going to come and get me, Paul, I want to at least have a car that looks like a coffin. Oh, my God. All right. I know where I'm going, Paul. I need a fast enough car to get the hell out of there. <laughs> Oh, you uh, take me to so many places, but people are going to have a real treat 
between now and the draft at the very least, and we're going to also continue our prayers for you, Dave T. Uh, so oh, you no, know. you know what I say? Don't say a prayer for me now. Say it, hold it for tomorrow for the simple separation. I don't need that big guy up there knowing that I'm still around. Because okay. <laughs> I live... I live by my motto, Paul. Heaven doesn't want me. Hell's afraid I take over. But if you notice one thing, the spring in my step has come back. And I was even shocked myself because when we did that first show uh, last week, I thought that I didn't have it anymore. But it's come back because why? I'm enjoying what I'm doing right now because I'm taking on the fans role. Well, the fans uh, get to have this and and we're going to have a great time, not just today, but moving forward and appreciate it so very much. And again, outside linebackers will be the focus today. But I know that we want to talk about a couple of things before we dive into that, because the combine is going on as we record this. And let's just start with all the talk about Tom Brady, because he's having more things said about him. We know there are a couple of teams that are clearly interested. New England, uh, I would think, wants him back. But now we're hearing possibly the Giants. Uh, t- tell, bring us up to speed on what really is happening with Tom Brady right now. What really is happening right now with little bit of sports going on, except for basketball and hockey, all of these sports writers have nothing better to do but to sit in their tiny little cubicles in their near-empty offices and saying, hey, how would Tom Brady look with my favorite team? Stop the madness, folks. I mean, look, look at the thing that we've seen in the New York Post and other publications up in New York this morning. The Giants are interested in Tom Brady. What, as a coach? I mean, we're talking around that they invested heavily. Dave Gettleman almost ended up going to the guillotine last year when he passed on Josh Allen to go ahead and take uh, Jones. Now you're telling me that rather than bringing back an Eli to mentor a Daniel Jones, we're going to have Daniel Jones sit on the bench so Tom Brady could go out there and earn his $35 million a year? I just don't see that happening because what will that do? That will retard any progress being made by the Giants this year with their new coaching staff. Yes, he has that link to the new coach over there, Joe Judge, from the years up in New England, but I say it comes down to three teams, the Raiders, the Chargers, or uh, we turn around and see him in Tampa Bay. Bruce Arians yesterday came out and basically said that I would love to have Tom Brady in a Tampa Bay uniform. The Chargers let go of one aging quarterback. Do I see them going ahead and bringing in another one? If you're talking about Tom being complaining about his offensive line in New England, look at the offensive line of the Giants. Look at the offensive line of the Chargers. Why in the hell in God's sake do I want to go ahead and play for them? I got a model wife over here. I don't want to look like Frankenstein when the season is over. <laughs> well, obviously, how quickly uh, it's, it's going to be the headline thing people are watching. How quickly do you think something's going to happen with Tom Brady? And how, how quickly does it have to so other teams can then move on and make their decisions? I think Bill is going to do what I just said. Stop the nonsense. Tom, here's our offer. You're going to take it. Well, let me see what they're offering out there. By the time he comes knock, knock, knock on the door, it wouldn't surprise me if New England already says, you know what, we just traded for an Andy Dalton. Or you know what, we just signed Teddy Bridgewater. So uh, good luck, Tom. 
Wow, that would certainly be head spinning if and when it happened, and then a lot of other things would obviously kick into gear. So in addition to the Brady... I cannot see New England, Paul, going into the season right now with Jared Stidham as their starting quarterback. Me, logic says, and you know I love playing Dr. Watson to everybody else's Sherlock Holmes, logic says right now, trade for Dalton, draft Jordan Love. If people are going to continue to doubt Jordan Love's ability out there, they're going to regret it the same way they regretted having Patrick Mahomes being the third quarterback in the draft. They're going to regret not taking a Deshaun Watson. They're going to regret not taking a Lamar Jackson. As far as I'm concerned, the quickest production of any quarterback in this draft outside of the guy with a bad hip is the kid from Utah State. And we that's part of the podcast we did on the quarterbacks pre-combine. Tua was your number one. Jordan Love, your number two. Joe Burrow, number three. You can go back and listen to that. And speaking of Tua, let's go to another thing that's kind of made a buzz. Washington sitting at number two. And Ron Rivera is saying that both Tua, Tungavaloa, and Joe Burrow, he's going to bring them in. Well, there's still in the evaluation process with Haskins, but I'm looking at Haskins in his last several games. We saw progress each week. Okay, there were a lot of interceptions and everything, but hey, go back to Peyton Manning's rookie year. Go back to Eli's rookie year. I mean, a young quarterback, until the game slows down, he's going to be doing a lot of oops out there on the football field. I could see the reason by bringing in Burrow, and I could see the reason in bringing in Tell. The whole thing that I'm looking at right now is if it's Burrow against Haskins, hands down, I'm staying with Haskins. If it's Tua, mm, that might cause me to take a little pause. But the situation comes down, i got to worry about his hip. If he's healthy, it's great. But do I want a Tua or do I want to weigh that against a Haskins and a Chase Young? That's what it's going to come down to because if they go for the Alabama quarterback at number two, then you're going to have to go ahead and trade away Haskins. And I know that Daniel Snyder is not going to be happy with that. But you're also going to bypass Young. So you've got to take the Haskins-Young element to whatever they do at number two. They already got Haskins, can get Chase Young. So it's Haskins and Young as opposed to just Tua or just Burrow. Wow, that, that, that's going to be something. I and don't of course see they might Miami get... getting excited enough to trade up if Burrow's on the board. However, I do see Carolina. Let's say Washington goes for Chase Young. Let's say Detroit is true what they say about uh, Matthew Stafford, that he's their man, and they go for a cornerback, or they go for what I say they should go in Isaiah Simmons. That brings the Giants up at the board at number four number four. We all know they want Beckman from Louisville. It is no secret anymore up in Indianapolis. However, if I'm looking at Carolina with number seven, I could still find a Beck, uh, Beckman there. I could still find a Wirfs there. I could still find an, Al, an Andrew Thomas there. So I know if I trade down to number seven, I'm probably going to pick up a number two trick uh, uh, pick along the way and still find the offensive tackle I want. I think the wild card right now is the number four choice. I could see Miami wanting to move up one spot. I could see Carolina wanting to move up if, uh, if Burrow is there. However, I just don't see anyone getting too excited to move up to two or three to take a burrow. Wow, and that would be something, especially in Carolina, as people may re- remember Joe Brady, who was with Joe Burrow at LSU, is now the offensive coordinator of the Carolina Panthers. 
Why would Miami not be an interested in Burrow for the simple situation is, to me, Burrow is uh, another Ryan Tannehill, and we saw what happened with Miami when they had Tannehill there. Hmm. Well, so many things to keep an eye on, and that's all of this not even part of what today's focus is, and that's the outside linebackers. You already mentioned one of them, and that's one. Of, that's your top guy, the cream of the crop, is Isaiah Simmons from Clemson. They asked me to compare this guy. I says, well, you know what I'm going to have to do? I'm going to have to play Dr. Frankenstein. In other words, I'm going to have to be Gene Wilder. And he's sort of a cross between Tremaine Edmonds up at Buffalo, who meets Khalil Mack over in Chicago, who then goes ahead and gets nostalgic by putting a little bit of Darren Woodson in him. That's what I see in Isaiah Simmons. This is not a kid that I want to put at one position. I mean, you talk about a Swiss Army knife. I mean, last, last season, Paul, Simmons played two 299 snaps in a box. He was stationed at the line of scrimmage 116 times. He logged 262 more snaps at strong side outside linebacker. He played 132 snaps over a free safety and 13 more at cornerback. That's what this kid brings to the football field. And you know what they say in football, if I could get myself the all-pro rover, I got myself a great player. So that's where I think a team is looking at Isaiah Simmons is they move him around to a lot of spots on the field. Some teams might even project him as an inside linebacker. Hey, look at Edmonds. This was a kid that was an outside linebacker of Virginia Tech till his, till his final year. Simmons, he's got long arms to lock out. He plays square, shuffles laterally down the line of scrimmage. He's a very good athlete who could dip his shoulder, penetrate, and pressure the quarterback. He has that experience dropping back into coverage, playing on or off the line. Remember, this was a kid that was brought into the program as a safety himself. He will finish his backside pursuit. Good effort player with a nonstop motor. He's not a type of guy that he could stay blocked for long. Explosive first step on rushing a passer, and he uses his hands on blockers like a shiverboard. He is a very destructive playmaker. Look at the success that uh, Josh Allen had last year playing in that type of role. So much of what you just discussed about Isaiah Simmons is why he was not included on our Edge Rushers podcast because he does so many other things. I don't think he is an Alden Smith type. I don't want him sitting with his hand on the ground. He's much better for me standing up and roaming and playing the ball than attacking the quarterback. Another first-round candidate, perhaps late in the first round, where, again, you don't so much predict what the draft will be, but how you grade and where you see them talent-wise, Zach Bond from Wisconsin. The Green Bay version of Clay Matthews, not the one that we're seeing out at the Los Angeles Rams. You know, a lot of people, when they're looking for an outside linebacker, they're looking for the 250-pounders. He's going to play between 230 and 235. But despite just average bulk, he has not gotten bounced around on run support, even versus the mammoth blockers that you see up in the Big Ten. This season, Bound has shown better ability to come up quickly and run through the tackle. Yes, he can still get in inconsistent with his wrap tackle at times, but he has become an elite run blitzer who throws his body around to make the play. I mean, he's also demonstrated that he has the speed to run at most, at most backs and can match up with the tight ends. 
he always seems to be around the ball, and that's what I like about him. I mean, till this year, he played in a supporting role. But when you had Connolly and Van Geckel and Edwards all graduating to the NFL for 2019, he really stepped up his play. Look at what he's done just as a pass rusher. On 73 pass rush snaps, he got to the quarterback 11 times. Zach Bond from Wisconsin. And what about in terms of some of the other things that he might have to do as an outside linebacker in the, at the next level? Well, the thing that I look at is he could be an effective edge rusher because he showed that he could be a disruptive force when he slips into the backfield. The thing I like, though, he uses his long arms well to play off blocks and accelerate to close with urgency. Just go back and look in 2019 against South Florida, Central Michigan, Michigan, Kent State. Shows good vision and determination when trying to flush out the quarterback. I mean, he had seven quarterback pressures in his first four games last season. When he turns the corner, he is quick to close on a QB. He charges hard on the blitz and always seems to get unblocked to make plays when he gets a lane working inside or exploding off the edge. That's Zach Bond from Wisconsin. As we continue looking at outside linebackers, there was an LSU linebacker you talked about as an edge rusher. Chasen, you were not necessarily all that high on. You had some question marks, but what about Patrick Queen? Yeah. You mean Vic Beasley 2.0 and Chasen? I pray to dear God that Thomas Demetrio is listening to this thing because if he walks into this draft and drafts Chasen, if I'm off the blanks, I'm firing him on the spot. I mean, if you're looking for the most consistent LSU, and I'm not a fan of Fulton, I'm not a fan of Delpert either. So, you know, I think LSU got by with their offense last year. However, the glue to their defense was Patrick Queen. He doesn't get it bounced around in support. He comes up quickly and runs through the tackle. Yeah, he's inconsistent when it comes to wrapping up at times, but he's an effective run blitzer. He'll throw his body around to make the play. He's got the speed to run with most backs coming out of the backfield and can match up with the tight ends in the short area. He's always around the ball. He's got a knack to anticipate the play, quick to break on the ball, and play the ball better in the air. Hell, even back in 2018, as much as I like Devin White, I still thought that Patrick Queen was their best player on D. Since you mentioned the Falcons and Thomas Dimitrov in particular, they pick at 16 in round one. Is that too early for a Patrick Queen? No, as a matter of fact, I would say uh, it would surprise me if he's there at 16. That's how good this ball player could be. And you look at the move, uh, well, not the move, but the announcement that they made yesterday. With Devontae Campbell, with the Austin Hooper, they're going to go let them test the market. Well, Mr. Campbell, it's their way of saying, hey, listen, do you need the number to Mayflower? Because it's time for him to move out of town. <laughs> uh, the, wow. joke, the joke on Campbell is if I blew in his left ear and I didn't have a, a corkscrew in his right ear, the air will come straight out. I will say Devontae Campbell made some big plays in that big second-half turnaround and had a lot to do with how the Falcons finished the season better than they started it, but... 37 missed tackles last year, yeah. Paul. I mean, you know, I want a linebacker that's going to get his uniform dirty, but not by diving on the ground for me. 
<laughs> I mean, meanwhile, you look at Queen. He could lay back and play center field if needed. I mean, that's how good his ball coverage skills in. Uh, he's got good timing ability on his leaps going for the ball. He will compete for the ball in traffic. He shows good arm extension to get to the pigskin. He has outstanding range, and he does a very good job of covering ground in a hurry. So if he makes a mistake out on the football field, he's got a lot of giddy-up to keep on going. Well, you referenced one of the many reasons the Falcons opened the season one and seven. So obviously they also have some cap issues. So they, if they could fix some problems in the draft, that would be a big help. Uh, continuing with our outside linebackers, next on the list at number four for you is Kenneth Murray of Oklahoma. Yeah, but you know, but if I'm playing in the four three wood uh, and have a Murray on my team, while well, he looks good as an outside linebacker, I'm more comfortable playing him inside. Reminds me a lot of Michael Kendricks up with Seattle. He has natural ability to find the ball and make plays. Good anticipation and instincts. Quick movement out of transition to break on the ball. The speed, the burst, the acceleration to run down a ball player. Uh, quick reactions to his keys. Good football aptitude. He locates and tracks the ball in time to be blockers to the point of attack. He quickly recognizes the play and reacts to it. He'll sniff out screen. He's got above average route recognition ability and discipline and coverage. Okay, everybody goes back and looks at the buku points that Oklahoma's defense gave up last year, but I always say, too, it takes 11 men to make a team. He couldn't do it on his own, Paul. And how is he in terms of the other elements of playing on the outside in the NFL with his foot speed, even if he has to go backwards at times? You know, he doesn't sink an anchor well in the phone boot situations. He gives up too much ground when offensive linemen can lock onto his frame. That's why I want to see him more playing inside, because he's tough, he could be stouter, and he has the size that suggests that he could play that uh, position. Explosive ability to jaw blockers, uh, uh, mask, and ha- despite having average uh, overall strength. This is a guy that I think in a 4-3 playing inside, Michael Kendricks, uh, McMillan down at uh, Miami, that's what I see in this ball player much more so than I see with him playing on the outside. That's Kenneth Murray of Oklahoma. The top four graded with first-round talent in your eyes. Again, that doesn't mean you're saying they will be drafted in the first round, but as we move on to some guys who might hear their names called on day two, we start at number five on the list here with a, with a player we talked about on the Edge Rushing podcast as well, and that's Curtis Weaver from Boise State. Love this kid. I mean, here is what I am telling teams. Don't put him up on the front four. You got to drop him back. If you're playing a 3-4 defense, you got the second coming in Whitley Merciless on your hand. His snap anticipation, first step quickness are very good. He shows quick feet, good torso flexibility, but he does have some tightness in his hips and limited athleticism uh, to play on the defensive line. However, if I'm playing him at linebacker, he flashes quick, violent, and compact rip and slip moves. He can effectively transfer to speed to power as a pass rusher. But this is a guy that I think needs to be standing up to do this. He has quick feet for his size, consistently gets into good initial positioning on slants and stunts. He'll fire out of his stance with good leverage. And the thing that I sit back and I look at this guy is, while he has experience playing left and right defensive end, he also has experience in the five tech. Just go and look when Boise State uh, shifted to the 3-4 front. 
some three technique, yeah, but you know, this is not going to be an Ed Oliver Aaron Donald if you move him inside. He could be like uh, finding the ball occasionally, but his motor runs constantly. He takes pride, uh, pride in finishing his place, and he has that nose for the ball and is developed into a fumble-forcing machine. That strikes me as one of the many reasons he'd be good on any team, regardless of scheme. And in addition to the fact we've already we're talking about him in two different podcasts. Well, you know, you're looking at a guy 387 snaps against the the pass, walks away with 13 quarterback hits, 31 quarterback pressures, 15 sacks. Can't ask for better numbers than that, can we, Paul? No, no, and. Uh, Obviously, I love hearing the high motor, and that's Curtis Weaver of Boise State. We're going to continuing in order here for you in terms of the top ten. We've it got, works well when we go in order in yeah, my own baseball. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a coachable player, too. but uh, it, it, we often, it, it, would co- it would cost me to go through a lot of post-it notes if we jumped around. <laughs> <laughs> but the point I was trying to make is we often leave sleepers for the end. And we do have some guys on day three that we'll talk about before we put a ribbon on this. But your sleeper comes from a smaller school, Akeem Davis Gaither oh, from Appalachian State. do not State. do that. Do not do that right now. I'll slap you on your wrist. <laughs> Appalachian State is not a small school, folks. Just ask Jimmy Harbour up in Michigan. <laughs> uh, I, I, I think that when you get into the AAC and the Sun Belt and guys like that that considered small schools. This guy is all pro material out there. This is the second coming of Darius Leonard. Now, Darius Leonard came from a small school. But when I look at Lakeem, I look at a long and twitchy type of athlete. Straight line speed that you light up at the combine within the next couple of days. He's packed on the pounds and setting campus, but he isn't compromised his speed by doing so. He posted dominating production numbers throughout. Yeah, he still needs to work in the weight room a little bit and at times that I'd like to see a little bit more nasty field demeanor but he has the traits and talents to become a good three down linebacker me if I got a three four I'm playing him inside if I got a four three I'm playing him at the weak side position Long angular frame that is hard to square up for blockers. Long strider in the open field. Loose hips and at rare pursuit speed. Look what he's done out there on the football field. We go back this year. He only played 190 snaps against the run, but he had 15 quarterback hits. He had 28 quarterback pressures. Well, you and Appalachian need to forgive me because I did so many games in the Southern Conference. Appalachian State, I've been to Boone many times. Appalachian State, Furman. Appalachian against Western Carolina, the battle for the old mountain jug. Um, I, I kind of think of them that way, even though obviously they're no longer that way. And Akeem Davis Gaither, is. Uh, we're going to get to know more about him from uh, playing on Sundays as we move forward. Hey, I just love the talent that comes out of Appalachian State because they come out with that Jack Ham type of attitude. Well, they've they've always been a solid football program, and the fact they've moved up to Division One A or shall we say FBS level, uh, it's only getting better there. And and Boone is a tremendous place. Continuing on your list, some other day two names that we may see from Tennessee: Daryl Taylor. 
Yeah, we talked about him with the edge rushes too, but, you know, I look at him, he reminds me a lot of Anthony Barr. He's rated as an edge rusher, has excellent measurables, above average athleticism, and a quick first step as a pass rusher. However, he is a better athlete than a football player at this point. He's aggressive against the run, does convert speed to power well as a pass rusher. He's one of those high-risk reward types in his draft pool. He only has adequate awareness. He only has two years of experience playing on defense, and that was probably due to his own little faults years ago when he decided to punch out one of his teammates in the locker room. Yeah, he lacks a lead playmaking instincts at this point, though. He often will be a quarter step late, you know, with his diagnosis and against misdirection and deceptive runs, but he should improve with more seasoning on defense. He's got good initial pop. Takes on blocks with proper shoulder uh, ability and generally executes his gap assignments. But this is a kid that right now you need to have a little of patience with. He has strong awareness as a tackler. He takes the angles to slow up runners and he appears to have a clearer understanding of where his help is going to come when he is in pursuit. Uh, 300 uh, pass rush snaps this year. He had three quarterback hits, 34 quarterback pressures, and seven sacks. You want to have a linebacker that's kind of a little off. It's the one position I think you're okay with that, but you can't be having a guy fighting their own teammates. So Daryl Taylor from Tennessee, how much is the NFL going to do extra due diligence with him? That was back in 2017, and he hasn't had any trouble since. I think it's more doing due diligences. Where does he fit on my chessboard? There you go. Well, that's Daryl Taylor from Tennessee. Moving on, number eight on your list, Jordan Brooks from Texas Tech. Yeah, I think among all the linebackers, we're probably going to see uh, some of the fastest uh, 40s coming from uh, Jordan Brooks. To me, it reminds me of a kid that I really love down in New Orleans, Demario Davis. He came into the college ranks as a middle linebacker, and he, yes, he does prefer to play there, but he seems limited on the outside due to his stiff hips and struggles making plays in space. However, he's competitive, has a lot of tackles and crunch time. He can run, has a speed, is by far his best asset. He could sit out there and be big enough to play outside, uh, outside linebacker in the NFL because he brings good value to teams who needs a guy that can run down plays and be effective, uh, effective both in the pass rush and also against the run. And let's not discount one thing, especially when I'm looking at a rookie. He is an awesome special teams candidate. And this is where I think he's going to make a name for himself as he forces his way into the lineup. Jordan Brooks from Texas Tech. Dave T., if he plays anything at the next level like Demario Davis has played in New Orleans, whoever gets him is going to get a good one. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I see on this kid as being a day two type of guy. Now, after that, you know, what was that group? I think it was Blind Melon and the bottom drops out. That's where we're going to start going. Well, all right. Well, let's start going. Number nine on your list is Malik Harrison from Ohio State. Yeah, you know, I'd like him, but you know what? It's like uh, there's nothing great to talk about the guy. He's more of a K.J. Wright type uh, out of Seattle. Well-rounded linebacker. He could line up as a strong side guy in a 4-3, or he could move himself inside in a 3-4. Good combination of length, 
speed, size. He could hold up against the power running game, chase down plays across the field, rush the, uh, the passer, or play some in coverage. His big drawback to Paul is lack of pure linebacker instincts. He's suspect, uh, susceptible to misdirection and run action. He's rangy and well-built, but he's no McMillan, who was a star up at Ohio State before blowing out his knee his first year down at Miami. He does keep blockers off of his body with his length and active hands, closes well in pursuit, and he is a sure tackler. But his recognition skills and overall awareness, that is an area he needs improvement. Why? Because I see him getting walled off too much when he's a tick too late locating the football. He's, is he a guy, if you compare him to K.J. Wright in Seattle, that depending on who's around him will depend on what kind of a, a player he's going to end up being? Yeah, because like K.J., he needs to watch his angles of pursuit. He isn't always direct getting to the ball carrier. And he also has trouble with quicker tight ends and backs and man covered. So he's a good support system type, but he's not a guy I build my linebacking unit around. That's Malik Harrison of Ohio State. Rounding out your top 10 when talking about outside linebackers is Troy Dye from Oregon. Yeah, Corey Littleton Jr., that's what I see him. Just like the uh, the Rams guy, he's got a lanky build. I still see him a better fit playing inside in a 3-4. He's athletic with long arms and big hands. He's got decent closing speed, knows how to sink his hip, accelerate out of his change of direction. Solid tackle production from him. Is uh, But the thing that I'm looking at, he's reduced his broken tackles and misses from a year ago. I mean, last year he was playing like his hair on fire. 2019, he played more in control. thing I like, too, about him, he's a consistent special teams performer. His playing straight dips well below the normal NFL form because if you look at this guy, you look at him more so of being uh, a strong safety rather than a linebacker himself. He's smooth transitioning from one direction to the other. He has the length to keep blockers at bay in the running game. Still, he's slow to bite on play action, even though he shut down a lot of crosses after fakes this year. Well, that's Troy Dye of Oregon, and, and considering some of those things we've talked about with other linebackers, what about his coverage skills? Well, that's why we call this little section of our report the bottom drops out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I guess that pretty much uh, sums that up. And then there's some other guys that, uh, one that we talked about on the Edge Rusher podcast, but you talk about where to play them. What about Joshua Uche from Michigan? Uh, if they move him into a T.J. Watt role, I think this kid will be hellified. Uh, he's a late bloomer. And then showing up at the combine with a hamstring injury, this might push him back into early day three recognition. As an edge rusher in school, he might have to go to TJ route, uh, rule, shifting to a 3-4 linebacker position. Like Waddy was more effective serving in a rotation earlier in his career. He produced at a high level just this season because this was his only season in full-time football. He's got desired length for the edge, room to accommodate more size on that body of his without a drop-off in speed. He attacks blush, uh, blockers with early arm extension, and he utilizes that push-pull technique to upset the balance as his pet move against the run or the pass. You know, 200 pass, uh, pass rush plays this year, 8 sacks, 13 quarterback hits, 25 quarterback rushes. 
Yeah, this is a guy that I look at. You look at Ryan Kerrigan. You look at T.J. Watt. If they keep him standing up in a 3-4, they, they will get production out of him. But they do have to understand that the body is the body and the playing ability is sort of like compromised because he's still not there yet as far as grasping what he needs to do on the football field. So with a little patience, a Joshua Uche, and depending on what kind of a scheme the team who drafts him runs, uh, will get a productive player because if he turns into a T.J. Watt, that's going to be just fine. Yeah, I mean, you you look at his numbers last year compared to before. I mean, he played 470 snaps last year. His first few years combined was 187. Wow. All right. Well, that'll be uh, Joshua Uche from Michigan will be one to keep an eye on once we get to the draft. And then one of those that will have a lot of questions at the combine and, and certainly through the process due to medicals will be Marcus Bailey from Purdue. This was my top-rated middle linebacker going into the season. However, my Vince Williams clone over here had himself another season with multiple knee injuries throughout his career. Teams are more concerned about his medical reports right now before evaluating his player contribution. When healthy, Bailey is a well-prepared athlete. He could handle whatever the offenses throw at him. He's a patient thought with good read and diagnosability, knowing his teammates' assignments well enough to keep everyone in position on the field. He's always in focus, rarely rattled, and usually carries out all of the assignments. Look at Purdue early in the season. They were kicking ass all over the place. As soon as he went down with the knee injury, that's when they struggle. He'll give good effort in pursuit, but he does struggle in taking some good angles, more so due to the knee injuries itself. And that's the thing where I look at this guy, even though he's a quality coverer guy and the ability to locate, anticipate, and get a jump on the ball in a flight, he's not the type of guy who spends too much time eyeballing the quarterback, and he will never just guess a receiver's route. This is a kid that I come up in round five, round six. Look at before he blew out his ACL. All of a sudden, Giant fans were really getting into Brian Connolly. I put him at Marcus Bailey in the same category. And the one difference, Marcus Bailey's had multiple ACL injuries. So as long as the league can assure itself he's healthy, they can be confident they'll get a productive linebacker. 17 pass rush plays last year, Paul. He had 11 quarterback pressures. Okay, there you go. That, that, that those, 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 those are some yeah, nice that, numbers for that, me. <laughs> that works. And uh, obviously then we'll just have to wait and see how quickly and and how much Marcus Bailey recovers from this. Yeah, that, that's the name of the game. Uh, what the doctors say in Indianapolis is going to go a long way with the general manager does at the end of April. Before we put a ribbon on this one, Dave T., some other potential maybe day three guys that uh, that people should be aware of. Uh, well, let me tell you one thing. Get down and watch Mississippi State filming. You will see William Gay Jr. out there being one hell of a talent. You go back to the school that was formerly known as Linebacker University. I think in day three, Cam Brown out of Penn State will probably end up being drafted. I look at the way Minnesota used Carter Coughlin last year. I wouldn't use him on a defensive line. I'd drop him back in a 3-4 situation. And before the bottom dropped out and he crapped in his pants, Patty Fisher was one of the top-rated linebackers 
linebackers in this draft going back before the 2009 season. I still see a lot of Gerard Mayo in him. Evan Weaver from California, he's probably another day three pick. I think his penchant of attacking the ball player is phenomenal, but I think his coverage skills suck, and that's why he's more of a two-down type. Uh, I look at uh, a typical layer out of Utah State. I mean, this is a guy that I could play on the edge or I could play on the line. Michael Walker out of Fresno State, T.J. Brunson out of South Carolina, and I am not going to go away without talking about another LSU guy, Jacob Phillips, or even Muhammad Barry out of Nebraska. These are guys you come in day three. If you need depth at your linebacking unit, these are the guys that are going to hear their names called. Because of the position they play, you can find productive talent on day three at the linebacker spot. Of course. I mean, that's where you're probably going to find a guy from Utah State like David Woodard or you head down to Wake Forest with Justin Stronat. These guys are lunch pail types, and every team needs that out there on the football field. Unfortunately, with the age of substitution out there on the field, most of the linebackers now are nothing more than two down types. Those are the types the poor man's guide to the NFL draft has always loved. Oh, yeah, definitely, and that's why we're really resurrecting the poor man. <laughs> it, 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 it fits me right now bringing the poor man's back because, like I say, I'm on my nostalgia tour. Well, we love riding along with you, Dave T. Appreciate the insight and information. Again, we'll remind people that moving forward, we're starting next week. You'll be able to see this on sportsblog.com with a lot of other treats as well. And if you ride along with me, folks, you better sit back because I already got Eric Clapton, B.B. King, and Joe Bonamassa sitting in the seats of my car. And it's quite a car, by the way. Uh, Dave T., as always, thank you for the insight and information. We thank everyone for listening, and we'll look forward to the next Scouts Honor podcast. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.